Good morning, Chaparral. My name is Corey. I'm one of the pastors here on campus. You know, right now, this is my favorite time of year. Some say that it's going to be Christmas or Thanksgiving because they love to eat. Mine is the post-Christmas days. Here's why. You get to eat and you get to play with all your new toys. Growing up, I loved playing and eating turkey. I'd be making my Lego blocks or whatever, or be riding my skateboard. I was terrible at that. Wearing my new clothes and just eating all I wanted. I love post-Christmas days. More importantly, this is the last Sunday of 2020. Guys, we made it. We made it through the pandemic, the social unrest, all the upheaval that happened last year. It's gone. The sun, the sun is shining brightly for 2021. The clear, it's clear skies. We can do all of our New Year's resolutions, and it's over with. We have peace on earth. Let's be real. The troubles that happened globally last year are not going to go away when the calendar strikes 1-1-21. Peace doesn't just show up when we want it. See, we try to purchase peace with the right gifts, quieting the children, or making an awesome meal so that everybody's nice and stuffed and falls, fall asleep. Or we try to give them Christmas fudge so that it sews their mouth shut and they're just quiet for just a moment. But soon after that, Monday morning, we're going to be back in the office. Or even at night, that uneasy, uneasiness creeps back into our hearts, not knowing what our future holds because of 2020. That spark that we once had to actually try and go for things is gone because we had that anxiousness and that worries of life creeps back in. You see, my hope this morning is that I can offer you a peace. This peace is something that does not fade. It's something that you don't have to strive for. And it's a peace that's free. There was a man back in the day who didn't have peace in his heart. He was a roaring lion who was viciously going out, stomping out Christians. But one day, a peace that passes all understanding entered into his life. His name was Paul. And see, Paul the apostle, he was a missionary, as we'll see later. And one of, the, one of the churches that he preached to and wrote to was the Colossians. And see, the Colossians had a particular issue. They were very anxious. Why? Because they were promised peace by the world around them. They had not, let, they had not yet learned what it meant to be followers or apprentices of Christ. Because they weren't taught. So Paul wrote Colossians to them. It's a book by them. And our text this morning is going to be at the end of this exhortation, Colossians 3.15. So you can turn in your Bibles or on your Bibles apps to there now. It's like I said before, the Colossians, they were an anxious people. They were told by their political authorities in Colossians that they would have peace by the world around them through politics. The Greek philosophers of that day promised them that if they followed their teachings, they would have peace in their hearts or in the individual successes of their lives. Socially, they were told by people that they would have peace if they followed the same holidays, the same festivals, and experienced that social community and having peace there. You see, the Colossians were seeing the world around them, the world that they grew up in, accustomed to, and they saw the peace that the people had. But that was just a veneer. You see, as apprentices of Christ, believing and following Jesus, the Colossians knew that they no longer were part of that world anymore. 
Paul exhorts them to set their minds on things that are above, things that were invisible and not visible. Paul tells them that they have to remember that they are no longer part of that kingdom, but they're in a new kingdom, a kingdom of light. No longer were they supposed to follow those Greek teachings, but these new teachings that were full of love. New holidays were to be celebrated. Coming to church, celebrating Jesus, were now part of that everlasting hope because now they were underneath the rule of the image of the invisible God. So after he exhorts them and gives them these wonderful words, Paul writes a, a prayer of peace for them. In Colossians 3.15-17, through 17, Paul writes, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as you are members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do it in all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You see, Paul starts off, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. And I don't know about you, but when I think about peace, I think about freedom. I think about being debt free. Hallelujah. All the hassles of life being free. Having no more chores. Running around the beach with no responsibility, no rules. But Paul uses the word rule here, not as a law or a rule book. Paul uses, the, Paul uses that word rule, and I think of chains. But he's saying it's not what you think it is. The peace that's supposed to be upon your heart is like a referee. Now, see, I love sports. I know we're in football season, and we love referees sometimes. But sometimes we actually don't. If the referee calls for our boys and, and whatever we're wearing, like the, the team that we're rooting for, we love them. Yes, please, give him a yellow card. Give him a flag. Call the right place. But when they're against us, we can't wait to boo them. We can't wait to throw things at them, right? The referee that's of your heart is going to be one that's a piece of Christ. You see, that umpire of our hearts, it, it calls that perfect game. The peace at time is what checks our emotions when we get a little crazy. When we get a little out of line, it checks us. But when we're down, that peace is to rise us up. It's like a magnet. When we're too low, it brings us up. And when we're too high, it brings us down. That peace is first and foremost a rule that we follow because in, above all things in our lives, the concerns, the interests, it's the peace of Christ that covers us. You see, this peace is not that external. It's not the one that is found when the noise fades away. Maybe your future career is perfect. It's all mapped out for you. You have peace, right, that comes over your heart. Maybe you finally peeled, you've paid off the bills and now you can rest until the first of next month. That type of peace, that ebbs and flows in the rhythms of life. That inner peace that is content and satisfied in the person of Jesus. But what happens when the bills aren't paid? What happens when the doctor comes back with unfavorable news? Or when someone close to you passes away 
or an unforeseen pandemic destroys all of your plans? What about peace then? You see, that inner peace that's supposed to rule us is going to check us. But as we have the individual peace, Paul calls us to that because we have the peace of Christ. But then notice back in that verse, Paul says, Since as members of one body, you are called to peace. So peace is not only individual, but it's also corporate. But we just celebrated the holidays, Corey. I've been around my family, and let me tell you, there is no peace that's going on there. It is impossible to think that I'm going to have peace with those people. The drama is too thick. But with Jesus, he calls us not to necessarily our earthly families, but as one body in the church here at Chaparral, all churches and Christians around the world. We're supposed to have peace because we're a people. We're a people group called to that peace. But how are we family? This is very interesting. Paul writes early in the Colossians that we, as a person, when we believe in Jesus, we're moved from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of Jesus. And then the phrasing in the original language is very vivid. Y'all remember Toy Story? Stay with me. I promise this makes sense. You remember the scene with the claw when Buzz Lightyear's with his aliens? Maybe you've seen these little toy machines in Denny's Lobby or Arcade, and they promise you that hope that you can get that, that toy that could easily grab, and then you grab it and then just let's go halfway through before you even get into your little hole, right? Well, Buzz is there. He's hanging out with the aliens who worship the claw. And then finally, he's taken up by the claw. They're like, the claw, the claw. It's chosen. It's chosen Buzz, right? Then he gets dropped uh, in a little bucket and he gets retrieved. You see, we theologically are that Buzz Lightyear. When we believe in Jesus, he comes down, the Holy Spirit comes down, and he grabs us and he moves us from the, from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of his son. We're no longer part of that world anymore. We were chosen, we were picked up by the claw, and we were moved behind the strong towers of the Prince of Peace. So now we're part of a new family with new holidays, new practices, and new teachings. That's why Paul ends the verse in such a weird way. He says, oh, and be thankful. It's like, dang, thanks, Paul. That's really great. And be thankful. I'll make sure to do that. Because now we know that we can be thankful because we have the peace of Christ and we know our placement, our value in his kingdom. That's why I can offer you peace this morning. Because the peace that I offer you is one that is not external or internal that might fade it's a peace that is everlasting. I want you to stop striving for peacefulness and to learn what it means to be peace-filled. You see, in my flesh, I reread this and I think, man, how is this even possible? How does Paul even know? He was an apostle. He was called by God. Of course he's going to have that, that awesome life that is full of prosperity. Because God called him. He was preaching the gospel. 
But Paul doesn't understand what it's like for me in this last year in 2020. All the things that happened to me, the medical bills, the med- going, to the, going to the hospital, being away from family. Everything was falling apart. My own house that I thought was comfort became my prison. I was quarantined. I was one that I had to stay in, pri- in my house. People I knew died. How can peace be something I can even comprehend right now? But see, Paul knew in some ways what that was like. You see, Paul was called by God. And he was going out as a missionary to the Greco-Roman world back in the day. One night he's preaching the gospel with his buddy Silas. You know, they're done preaching, so they fall asleep. And Paul gets a dream by a Greek man to go into the Grecian world, the Macedonian world. And Paul's like, okay, like God's called me, we are good. So I'm going to go. So he wakes up the next morning, probably has his breakfast, hopefully. God got to be hungry. And they go to the first town called Philippi. Paul's there with Silas and they preach the gospel. And some women and men believe in Jesus. So they think, we are on that right path. We are on the place that God has called us. What more can we ask for? The next morning they get up, they start preaching again. Then they see a little girl who's demonically possessed. And Paul calls out and he's like, in the name of Jesus, be healed. The demon goes away. Good news. These are great things. This is a miracle. But then the people of that town see what happened to this girl and they get upset. Why? Why would they be upset at that? It's a little girl. She needs to be you know, healed. She needs to be saved. She needs to feel comfort, right? Well, people in that city were using that little girl um, to tell fortunes. So they're making money off of that. Now, all their money, all their income is gone. So what do they do? They take Paul and Silas and they seize them, do a citizen's arrest, call the cops, and put them in prison. Not only do they put them in prison, but they beat them. They beat them and they strip them bare and they throw them in the innermost prison cell. But I thought he was called by God. I thought God called these people to go out. So then why are they experiencing these things? How is it that Paul and Silas are supposed to have that peace of God when they're going through this? Their backs were laid bare and beaten just as their Savior Jesus. But in their weakness, God was their strength. They were chained with their feet so they couldn't preach the gospel. They threw them in the innermost prison cell so they couldn't even move or see people who needed to be healed or sick, so they healed from their sicknesses. But you know what they forgot to do to those men? They forgot to cover their mouths. That's the greatest tool in God's kingdom. So as those two men were sitting there 
found. It's around midnight, as the Bible describes. Paul and Silas start opening up their lips and singing. They're singing at the top of their lungs songs of, uh, songs of the Spirit, hymns, just beautiful words out of their mouth because they're so thankful for God that they can experience these things that they're called. And they're singing and singing and singing. And the ground starts to shake. And the, mountain, the metal doors start to loosen. And people are wondering what is going on because now the prison is in upheaval. They start singing and singing and singing. And the world is shaking through these two men. So much so that the doors open up and the prisoners are going to run free. And the prison guard sees what's going on. He takes his sword and he's about to kill himself because that's what he's told by the authorities. That if these men are free, then you have to kill yourself. And Paul and Silas are like, stop. Now time out. If I was there and I start praising God and there's an earthquake and all the doors are opening, I'm thinking, miracle. I'm out of here. I just got beat. I'm loose. This is what God's called me to. I'm out. If you die, you die. But Paul and Silas are like, no. They stop. And they stop this man and they say, don't. We're still here. So the man that just beat them, they are staying to save him. So what does the Philippian jailer do? Probably what you and I would do, we fall at his feet because we just realize that these guys have the voice of angels that literally shake the foundations of my prison, of my home. And they say, Lord, what can I do to be saved? So, Pilate, so Paul and Silas, they just simply say, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So the jailer takes him home. He's like, I need you to preach this gospel to my family. The jailer feeds them. He wipes down their wounds, takes care of them. That's the kind of peace that you can offer people. That when your world is shaken, through your words and your deeds, you're able to show the peace of Christ to all those around you. You're like, Corey, I don't know. How can I have a peace-filled life? You see, if you look back at verse 17, Paul says, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. You see, the Colossians, they were identifying themselves by taking the name of Jesus. Little Christians. You see, in the ancient world, when you took a name, it was a signal that your reputation, your actions, whatever you do is in that name. You couldn't just pop on Instagram and be an Instagram influencer and just do whatever name you wanted. You actually had in word and deed to be the name that you chose. You see, this morning, that name is an invitation for you. God calls you, he invites you as a king would invite many people to a banquet. As king, he, he's conquered peace. He has achieved it. Christ brought peace to earth through the cross and he now invites us. We as vagabonds have been moving throughout this life searching for peace and he reaches out his hand of safety and inviting you to come and dine with him. Because where he's at, peace rules. So when the dark clouds cover our present, instead of looking for a silver lining, you guys be that silver lining. When the earth starts to shake 
and the world is in an uproar, be still and know that you, follower of the rock of ages, who's made heaven and earth, he is unshakable. When the waters start raging because there's family drama or there's issues and bills and sicknesses are piling up, remember that you follow Jesus, who not only stopped raging waters, but walked on top of them. That peace-filled life is one that is not striving for peace and quiet. It is a life that is unshakable. So when you take that invitation, know that the life that you now live in word and deed is in the knowledge that you are living in the kingdom reign by the Prince of Peace. Stop striving for peacefulness and accept the invitation to be a part of his kingdom. He's waiting for you. Let's pray. Father, you're such an awesome God. You've achieved everything that we've ever wanted through the work of your son on the cross. I ask that you would be with us this next year, this 2021. Give us the peace that passes all understanding. Be our rock. Help us to be still as the earth is still raging. Let us go forth in your name in our words and in our deeds, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Bless this day. Thank you so much. In your name, amen.